a listener production. Created for new dads and dads-to-be, this season is the ultimate go-to guide for men on falling pregnant, giving birth, and what to do once you bring your baby home. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and new dad, Chris Taylor. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath and my special co-host is Chris Taylor. Hi, Chris. Hello, I'm very excited today because <laughs> he's, he's very excited because this this series is called, as you said, Birth, Baby and Beyond, and it's episode seven, and we finally got to the actual birth. There's a lot to talk about, <laughs> isn't there? Beforehand, <laughs> there's been a promise in the title of this podcast that some listeners may have felt we'd never deliver on, but this is the episode. We're getting there. We're pushing now. We're talking game day. Showtime, the actual day of delivery, and as always, we'll be doing so for the benefit not of the mums, but of the dads and partners who go on this epic journey as well. So, Kath, big first question, how will us guys, how will we know when our partner's gone into labour? What are the first signs? Well, it's just such a big question because every woman comes into labour in a different way and even every pregnancy, you know. So... You know, if we just take the the mainstream of having um, sort of regular painful contractions, and you know we're talking pain, it doesn't. It's not sort of pressure. It's when they actually have a bit of bite to them that there certainly is labour. Can or, we put aside the myth that we get mm-hmm. from the movies of the water breaking? You mm-hmm. know, like every movie you see, oh, the waters are broken. Let's go to hospital. That's totally. just not a thing. There, there must be someone in Hollywood who is the <laughs> Um, you know, advisor from 1914 who just said that's what happened. Because you're right, every single movie, television series, they come in, they, they, they their waters break, they have two contractions and then they're, they're holding like that a six-month-old baby with clean, jams large on. baby. <laughs> that's yeah. right. It, it's sort of, it's actually really unhealthy because for, you know, a lot of people like me whose main insight into the process is from movies and TV, you, you kind of assume you've been given an approximation of how it happens and it's just not. A lot of, it's a lot just of women, not. A lot of women, their waters never break. Never. And and a lot of women never see that happen and, and feel that happen. Um, so, yeah, it's not, it's not a good thing with, um, with Hollywood and movies. So everyone, you know, every woman does it differently. And, you know, I know that's a cliche, but it's true. And, you know, as a midwife, you know, I always, always believe what women say to me, you know. So, you know, if someone says, oh, I had a quick labour last time, well, you believe it because, you know, odds are they're going to have a quick, quick la- quicker labour, um, but not always. So um, so the day of, uh, once coming into labour, whether it's, you know, regular painful contractions, whether the waters have broken or haven't broken, whether there is has been a show, which is, um, the plug of mucus that's sitting in the cervix. Once the cervix starts to ripen, they're, they're the words we use medically. Once the cervix starts to ripen, and that means that the cervix starts to thin out and open up, that plug of mucus comes out um, vaginally. So that is a show, when a, a show that sort of labour or your cervix is starting to um, dilate or open up. Water's breaking, not always. And, you know, the regular painful contractions. So, yeah. you know, for ladies, it sort of it sort of starts like period pain and then it, it's got nothing to do with period pain after that because it just gets quite intense. The other thing is backache. 
So some women only have backache during their labour and bad backache. You know, if, if you think of every contraction just being like an axe in your back, that's that's how it feels. So there's, it's not, or definitely not like the, the movies and definitely not like what you think it's going to be. Um, so, you know, it, and I've said this probably three times already, but, but it's different for everyone yeah. and it's different for every baby because the, it's actually how the baby is sitting on the cervix and, and their position in utero. So that has a lot to do with how labour begins and how labour progresses. It's, it's quite mechanical, you know, that sort of yeah. process. The, one of the words I'm sure a lot of dads-to-be are hearing in their birthing classes or from their partner is, is contractions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a real, as you just said, real key indication that, that it's show time and that your partner's going into labour. Just, just, you know, treat us like the idiots we are. What, what are contractions? What's actually happening? So the uterus is a muscle. And like all the muscles in our body, it has the capacity to contract and relax. So we have that with all body and all muscles. So the uterus during late, during pregnancy actually practices, and that's what um, Braxton Hicks contractions are. So Dr. Braxton Hicks obviously had nothing to do. We didn't have a mobile phone in the 1800s. And he used to, he had his hand on women's tummies and realised that the uterus actually practised before labour began. So when you're having the practice contractions, those Braxton Hicks, you, you actually feel pressure but not pain. So the difference between that and labour, it's painful. And it doesn't always start as like a shocking pain. It's, it, it, it builds up and it builds up as in with the amount of pressure, with the intensity, the length of the contraction and the time um, between contractions. So as you progress... It gets long. They get longer. They get stronger, and they come closer together. My key role, I remember, um, I was given my a midwife who'd helped us through the whole pregnancy gave me this very big responsibility, which which proved to be, I think, reasonably uh, important on the day. It, my job was to monitor the contractions yep. and have it literally have a stopwatch at the ready to time both the length of the contractions, but more importantly, the duration between them. That's right. Is, is that, that, that felt like a good thing for the partner to do. I think it's not- a really good thing to do. And I've, d- I've done exactly the same as what your midwife um, did, but, but with a piece of paper in the, in the 70s. And, <laughs> um, you know, and, and writing down the time or having, a, you know, your iPhone, we all have iPhones and, and, and having it there. It's good. It's good for you to be able to do something. You know, you feel like you're contributing to the process because, I think if there's any time in a man or partner's life is when you feel a little bit sort of on the outside is when your partner's in labour. Don't yeah. you think, you know, like she's working I mean, very it, it, hard and, and and you can't, you know, it's it's difficult being in the labour room because you can't do anything to help her, which you'd really like to do. But timing the contractions is good. And there's only so many times I felt you could say, you're doing really well. <laughs> like after a while you just wanted to say, yeah, is there anything I can practically do? So I did yep. find the the stopwatch and writing down the duration between contractions. I've I've forgotten what the magic number was. What there was a certain duration between contractions well, where should... we had to ring the hospital. Sure. Well, well, yeah. You see, I'm I've never been that sort of midwife in that you say how many minutes between because I've you know say if it's three minutes between contractions, you really should be in hospital. 
And, you know, everyone labours differently. And as I said, you can't compare to what you've gone through in your first labour to your second or third, because that's how women give birth in the car or at home. Because I think, oh, well, last time was 15 hours. This has only been two and, you know, they're okay. And then crack, you know, labour happens. The body's very efficient once it gets into labour. So, you know, so my my advice is if it's your second or subsequent labour, have a talk to labour room as soon as things start to change because, you know, you've got traffic, you've got, you know, going into hospital. There's a lot of things ahead of you. Um, mm. So, But uh, assuming, I imagine a lot of our listeners are first-time mums and dads. So what, what what's the time, what's the tell for when it's time to go to the hospital? Well, I think I don't ever like to give a time. I think when women feel uncomfortable at home or not feeling very safe and right. think, I need to get out of here, you know. Yep. Obviously, if there's any bleeding, if there's any waters breaking, if you've had a show, um, if you are feeling very unwell. So, you know, you can feel like not even have labour pains, but feel very, very unwell. And, you know, you can get quite sick in labour, in, in pregnancy. So, you know, times like that, you don't have to stay home. It's always important to talk to midwives or doctors, because we can problem solve what's going on just by asking questions. Is, is it sort of one of those wonderful human biological things of, you know, when you, you know, when you know, like oh, yes. it, it, it's just oh, yes. a sort of innate sense that yes. it, it's on, it's on, we need to get to the hospital. And for partners, it's usually when we say, shut the fuck up. <laughs> or get when the, the swearing car. starts, oh, the start, swearing start, start the car. Oh my start God. The car. You say like, don't <laughs> even say that. Or oh, please guys, don't say, does it hurt? You know, that's not a good thing to say. Um, yeah, so I th- I think it's, well, I know it's very important to listen to women and uh, we know, like we just know. I, I, I know in the in the public system, this is obviously not the case if you're going privately, but in the public system, they are wary of admitting you if, you know, you're only at two centimetres dilation and that kind of thing. They, they kind of really only want to see you once you properly in labour. Well, is your advice still to go anywhere? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, you can't say everybody who's two centimetres dilated is not sort of needing assistance because some women are. Um, And I think it's always good to be checked. And if the worst case scenario is that you have to go home, that's okay. I'd rather women go in and be checked than stay home thinking, oh, well, I'm not really in good labour yet and then then be quite um, frightened. Mm. Yeah. No, I think that's really good advice. Um, every labour's obviously different, mm-hmm. but f- for those that go on for quite a few hours, mm-hmm. w- what is the best thing a partner can do while his partner's going through all that excruciating pain? Well, so for, for a long time, uh, labour's labor's sort of interesting in that, you know, the absolutely out of control pain, it's not always, you know, 20 hours. So when someone says, oh, I laboured for 475 hours, it doesn't happen well, that long. So active labour, um, you know, it's it's not uh, as long as what people feel, even though you can be very distressed in labour. In, we can in, agree, though, it, in, it will involve pain totally. <laughs> of, a, of, 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 of a degree that you're not normally subjected to. And mm. as a partner, you do feel helpless. It's really hard watching your partner in such pain. Yeah. So other than those meaningless words like you're doing really no, well, honey, what meaningless. can we do? They're not what meaningless. Can, no? I think... I, th- I think they're the best words. You're doing really well and I'm very so proud of you. But 
One tip is don't talk too much. <laughs> Very hard for some of us. Shut <laughs> up. Like, don't right. talk too much because... That's a good tip, right. If, and, and also um, about touching your partner in labour. Now, women, you, you, you know, before labour you might say, well, I want you to do this and I want, you know, to brush my hair or blah, 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 blah. blah. You know, sometimes you might be in labour and doing exactly what your wife says and do not touch me or stop saying that or stop drinking so loud or eating so loud. You know, there's you become acutely aware of noise when you're in labour and that is other people's noise. And I've always been a bit of a don't talk, like just have a very, very quiet, low-down room because it's out of respect for women who... You know, right. you can't deal with it. Like you're, you're dealing with a lot of pain. And, you know, when someone's crunching potato chips, <laughs> like, it's just like, stop it, you know. Um, and smells you remember. Like these different things that you remember about when you're, um, you're labouring. So I think for partners it's about, you know, saying the right thing, holding a hand, rubbing the back or saying, do you want me to rub your back now or would you like a hot pack? The biggest, the biggest um advice is don't ask while your partner's contracting. Always talk in between contractions. Yes. Because you cannot yes. think when you've got, when you're, you're walking up a hill, you know, that sort of incredible pain. So um, just wait. And when the contractions finish, say, is there anything that I can do? Would you like some ice? Now, women love cold water or cold ice to crunch in labour. It's just something, you know, they do. Mm. And a cold face washer. And, you know, and putting it behind her neck or on her forehead, it's just one of those things consistently women like while they're labouring. Mm. Um, also, um, 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 if, if there's a lot of backache, a really nice warm pack um, for, the, for the back and also for um, the tummy. But it's about, uh, you know, talking in between contractions Gently talking while you're contracting because, you know, you don't want to be, go for it, go for it, breathe, you know. <laughs> Believe me, I've seen it all. But, you know, you want some sort of gentle, quiet talk. Um, and also for partners, I think um, it's really good if you find one of the staff coming in and talking and being, you know, because that's what happens in hospitals, you know, you sort of forget sometimes and someone walks in and goes, oh, have you got the keys and I'm just going to the loo and you write for mm. lunch and all that sort of stuff. Like, it's really bloody annoying, you know. Yep. So you've got to say, you know, quieten down yeah. a bit or something like that. It's okay to do that. You, you know? can be bad cop. A hundred percent. Dealing with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's funny, funny you mentioned holding the hand. It, it, in our case, and I'm sure this is common to many, many couples who go through the birth process, it's not so much your choice to hold the hand as the partner will... Hold is not the right word. No, it's not the right word. Squeeze it in a way that and and will not let up until every single bone has reached the point of breaking. I've been I have never known the strength of a human until the day my wife gave birth. It she was doing it on one side with the midwife, who I felt so sorry for. This very lovely petite midwife, and I said, "Please, you must let go of her hand. She she won't have her hand left at the end. Take both of my hands." And I felt my without being facetious, I felt one of my most useful roles was providing hands to crunch (laughs) as a stress toy. So true. I can remember. I've always worn lots of rings, and. My one ring must have been on a bit of an angle. And I can mm-hmm. remember frequently like going, oh, 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 thinking, 
I know I shouldn't be telling her to stop holding my hand so hard when she's in labour, <laughs> but shit, my fingers hurt. <laughs> oh, my God. It, isn't it incredible strength? Where do they incredible get that Incredible strength. And I yeah. think if someone was near me that I didn't want, I think I'd punch someone out. I could have punched someone out. Like absolutely flawed them with the strength that you have in labour. Mm. It's unbelievable. Oh, no. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I'm still getting the feeling back in one of my hands <laughs> that it was six months ago. <laughs> that's right. that's, but um, that's a very good point, Chris. Partners are very good at um, bringing on oxytocin levels. Mm-hmm. Now, oxytocin is another one of these words that you're going to hear a lot of. Um, oxytocin is it's the love hormone mm-hmm. in mothers that can slightly help ease the pain. It's a really good hormone. Um, what are some things we can do to increase oxytocin? You mentioned sort of back rubs, massages. I, I was told just saying lots of really positive things, like you're looking really hot today. <laughs> like, like, as in hot, as in as gorgeous. In, as in gorgeous, Not in course. hot, as in weather. Um, yep. what, are the, what are the other ways we can help bring on oxytocin? Well, you know, I mean, you're not going to have sex in the labour room, no. obviously. But, you know... Um, I wasn't suggesting that, Kath. But, what but what it, non-sexual <laughs> options do we have? No, but, to br- but let me tell you that sex in labour. Uh, so what? Labor, sorry, I've got to cut that what out. What does this podcast become? <laughs> it's become the R-rated one. Um, you know, it's it, to, to start to get into labour. Sometimes sex is very important. It helps women actually come into labour. And running birth centres over my life, we used to tell them to go home and have some pretty good sex to stimulate labour. So that's one thing. If you want to get labour going, it doesn't always happen. But once we're in the ward, what are there Look, ma- massages? Yeah, like there's, there's not a lot. I mean, you don't want to play with her nipples for a, for a start or anything like that. There's, I think sort of touching a woman in labour, you have to be very, very gentle and mindful of how you touch and where you touch, you know. Um, and especially as a partner, no offence to to men, but um, as midwives, we certainly know what to do and how to touch and help women. But look, I see a lot of women go, don't touch me, you know, like, don't do that. So you've got to be very careful about what and how you approach um, your partner in labour. I, I don't know whether that's going to be too popular, but it's but it's true, you know. No, no, I, I agree. Um, certainly, in terms of touch, but there are, there are verbal ways of in, in producing oxytocin too. Just positive affirmation Absolutely. and all that kind of thing. Yes, and gentle talking. You know, um, just yes, I love you, and I'm so proud of you. Um, you know, remember we're going to have a beautiful baby at the end of this, and that's always good. But in between contractions, really, yep. um, during a contraction, just very quiet. Well done. Keep breathing in. And if she turns around and screams at you, it's only because she can, you know, because they don't want to scream at midwives. You know, oh. they feel like it's, you know, they can't, oh. even though it's done. Believe me, I've been in the headlock and I've been punched, you know. So, you know, it, it's... I reckon you get a leave pass on your on the day you're in labour. You can do whatever you like. You can say whatever oh, yes. you like at whatever volume you want, I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. <laughs> like, Gosh, have I heard some things. It'd be a pretty uh, cruel partner that didn't just let them the mother of their future child, do whatever they need to yes, do to yes. get through that horrendous point, pain. You know, it's, and it's also, you know, when when you're in the labour room, I think a lot of men feel very intimidated and sort of, you know, you, you're sitting nearly in the corner because the medical people are in and out and very confident and, you're, and your partner's breathing and going, you know, you feel a bit out of control. Did you find that, Chris? Like you feel... Of course, inadequate, of course. Not inadequate, but, you know... 
Inadequate's not the word, but no. helpless. Yeah. Mm. You feel, you, you know, you're so much of, you know, good relationships is based on doing things together, sharing burdens, making sacrifices together. This is one where you can't. The woman kind of has to do the job. Mm. And for a lot of men who are controlling or, you know, historically more, you know, I've got this, anything that's hard, I'll do it, you, mm -hmm. you know, this is the one, the big one mm -hmm. that you, you cannot do, no. but you, you have to be there to support them. But, you know, you play a really important role in labour and, and women know you're there. And I think it's about, you know, because uh, I've seen so many births and especially afterwards, that joy together, you know, of that beautiful baby. Um, you know, it's it's just if if your partner has a go at you or says don't do it, it's because she can, you know, and rather than she doesn't like you, it's just because she feels comfortable. But, you know, it's about talking quietly, um, talking in between contractions, appropriate touching um, that you know that is going to um, feel good. And also, you know, ask the midwife, what, what, what can we do? What can I do to help her? Because, uh, you know, there's certain ways of rubbing her back. You yeah. know, there really is. Now, Kath, um, hard truth time. Because, um, yes, while the birth of your child is going to be the most profound, exhilarating day of your life, it's also going to be one of the most confronting. There, there are some things you'll see that you never imagined you'll see. And I feel a responsibility to tell all future dads that it is very likely your partner may do a poo. <laughs> on, on the delivery table during labour. Nobody tells you this. Only this podcast has the bravery to tell you a lot of woman, women mm. poo during labour. Yeah. So so let me go back a little bit. So in prior to labour, um, a lot of women have not diarrhoea, but they have frequent bowel actions because the body is very clever and the body eliminates things. So, you know, have a lot of bowel actions and often before you're actually second stage, women can vomit their whole stomach load or looks like their whole body load come out, you know. Yes, yes. Um, so they're two things that, that happen and are very normal. But it's, you know, like we're talking about the vaginas right next to the bowel. And, you know, if it's not, you know, I haven't seen anyone have a, have a huge poo, but just a little bit of poo in a labour room smells, you know. And does. it's sort of, sort of like, <laughs> why are you does. all, the, the, the guys look at us like, why aren't you all commenting? We're like, that's good, you're great, everything's great. And it's like, smells everyone, like shit. Everyone it was so positive yes. about the poo. Oh, that means you're pushing really, really the, well, the right way. Take that away with the little And I pat. said, look, I'm not doing it. I'm happy to clear the poo if you guys are busy with other things. And no one, it just no. stayed there. It stayed there oh, it the whole time. There. Oh, no, you I know, always used to take it away, get a pat, well, get rid of it. I was offering to take it away and it, it stayed there. Mm. Um, anyway, it, 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 as, as you said, it wasn't – I feel ridiculous talking about it, but it, it wasn't big, but, gee, it smelled. And I just – I wasn't ready for it. No, no one no, – yes. no, not mentioned in the birthing class, but no. it, apparently it is really common. It's very common. And, you know, it's it's like, geez, thank God for masks sometimes, you know. <laughs> the one upside of COVID <laughs> we all had. <laughs> 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 Breathing. Okay. Uh, but yes, it, it, it does. And, you know, as women, we know it's happening because we can smell it too. Everyone, you know? everyone can smell and it. And it's like, I know I've had a poo. No, 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 not a lot. It's only a little bit like, you know, but it's fine. Okay. So that's the first little shock you might see as your partner starts pushing. Um, things do then um, get very graphic and bloody. Can um, I just go back? Sorry, Chris. When we're talking about 
the poo, especially if you're pushing, that's when it happens. The whole perineum changes. Like you've got a head coming down the vagina, so it's sort of stretched. And the anus tends to look like like a flat ring, you know, that it's sort of, you know, probably five centimetres in diameter. So um, it's something you've never quite seen. So it looks different, you mm. know, but it's it, that's just the part. And a lot of men sort of look at us like, is that normal? Like, oh, yeah, that's normal, you know. So you're seeing things for the first time that you think are really, really strange. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, we see them every day. So it's like, no, that's fine. Don't worry about it. So if you're worried about something that's happening, talk to the midwife. Say, look, you know, is this right? Or or put it on your phone and ask, you know, show the question if you don't want your partner to hear. But those things will worry you because a lot of men get very anxious about something that's happening that we just, you know, it doesn't yes, worry us. Yes, don't bat an eyelid. Just blaze, and blaze and I've, I've found the more grotesque the thing the more normal the midwives always said it was. Like, not just normal, often, oh, no, that's a good thing. Yes, <laughs> like, they yes. always They always spun the most hideous thing as, oh, no, this is really good. This yes. means the baby's about to come. Yes, <laughs> projectile <laughs> vomiting at second stage, you know. A lot like, of that. Yeah. Okay, so there may, be, there may or may not be a poo. <laughs> most commonly uh, is. Usually is. Yeah. Um, well, then, let me tell you, if you've had a, if you had a head coming down your vagina, or if you had a vagina, it's yeah, it's quite yeah. normal. Oh, I completely understand it. Yes. Yeah. Just slightly surprised no one cleaned <laughs> <laughs> it you. up. <laughs> now, um, then of course, as we as we're really pushing now, things do get very graphic and bloody. And I I know some dads actually prefer to stay up near their partner's head oh, yeah. rather rather than subject themselves to yeah. the full the full horror show at the business end. Have you seen all of the above and, and what's your advice? Well, first, my one advice is that you you will not be pre- prepared for the sound of birth, as in what your partner sounds like, especially if there's no epidural. Um, mm. You know, women can scream. I remember thinking, Jesus, my ear is killing me, like after being screamed into, you know, and trying to support someone. I'm like, I know she's hurting more than me. But women can scream because it's just such a guttural reaction. It's mm. such a primitive reaction. It's primal, and a isn't it? fabulous way to scream, you know, like it's really fad- fantastic. Um, and so that you may not be ready for that because, you know, who's seen their partner scream like, like that? Um, and also, you know, there are times that guys get really worried about situations where we're going, oh, good, exactly what you're saying about the poo, Chris. We're like, that's good. Oh, good. Just take it away. Everything's fine. When you're thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> so there are there are situations, and, and I think the, the screaming is one of them, mm-hmm. um, and the absolute abuse some women can talk in at second stage, like scream at the doctor or midwife. How do you fucking know what I'm going through? It's like, it's right. okay. You're fine. Come on. Just keep it going. Keep breathing. So so it's sort of, as far as, you know, I'm concerned, it's always a tone, a very nice, gentle mm-hmm. tone saying, come on, you're okay. Just listen to me. Look at me. You can keep going. And, you know, it's in, and sometimes it's not for the partner to do it. And that, I think, must be very hard because we know what to do. And, 
you know, we, I know it's your baby and, you know, you try and get everyone um, together, but sometimes women just want to have a direction by a midwife or a doctor, whoever's there. And you get an incredible bond in that time. Mm. And it's good to, you know, to, under, to, to remember that it's not, it's, not, it's not against, it's nothing that's going to be against you. It's just that, you know, women feel like incredibly trusting of the medical staff in the room. That was a real sort of turning point, I think, in my partner's labour where I, I said, I can see the, I can yes. see the head. And yes. she, you can see it. You can Did so, you know you were having a girl? No, we didn't know no, the gender. No, so um, we had that excitement awaiting us. But just to make it real, because, you know, as we've discussed on this podcast, we'd had a long journey towards pregnancy mm. and and I don't think either of us ever thought it was going to be real until we saw it. Yeah. And then, so it was quite a very profound moment when I said, no, I can see that. Oh, and touch her head. Like, and, how and that's that? when I started crying. Of and course. It was, it was waterworks. It's for years on. of tears, isn't it? I'm going to tear up now. I know. <laughs> I, feel, I feel it too. I've got a little shiver up my back. It's just so beautiful that, and I think that reaction uh, is never old. You know, for, for me, it's, it's always something beautiful to watch that pure emotion of, um, of new parents and the love that, like, you don't think you can love anyone, you know, else. You love your partner, but this is a different love, isn't it? You know, oh, this, oh. this is just, this is when you understand people say, I'd kill for my child. Like, I'd stand yes. in front. Yeah, you, you yeah. get it. It just all it, of a sudden happens. Yeah. It's, it's, it's proper. It's very, yep. it's unspeakably profound and mm. moving and joyful. Mm-hmm. It, it, all of those things at once. Mm. Um. Now, as, as, as I said, I, I didn't know the sex. And um, look, again, very personal decision. Uh, every couple will be different. What, what Something I enjoyed when the baby came out, because we didn't know the gender, they, at our hospital, they gave me the job. Yes, of, that's right. Of, of identifying yes, the sex. we do that often. And, and I, you know what? Some... I kind of I got nervous because <laughs> there was because there was the a big umbilical cord. And I know it was all so quick, and I, I go, I need to see it again. It's a boy. I, I, I don't know. I didn't, it's like I think, we all go, no, it's a girl. I, I thought it was a boy, and I had to have a closer look. Yes, and I go, oh no, no, it is a girl. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> again, um, my bi- biology was never my strong suit, no, but, no. but it was a really special thing to do. So and beautiful. We, it's why we didn't want to know. We kind of wanted that moment. Beautiful. It's a slightly movie moment, isn't it? It's a girl, yeah. like, but it's. Unlike That's the br- waters breaking, which is hokum, and th- that there is something about that cliche that's lovely about the discovering what gender it is in the moment. It is, uh, and for for people who find out during their pregnancy what it what the baby is, which we did, um, believe me, seeing the face and seeing the baby is is up there. You know, just that no. sort of oh my god. That's, I can remember saying, this is the most beautiful baby I've ever seen. In the end, they're like, can you shut the fuck up? You know, like you're just saying that too many times. But it's just this incredible love that you have and look at the baby's face and um, and and then find out what sex it is. And you know what? Some guys have got it wrong because of the umbilical cord and also the labia with girls is a little bit different, isn't it, when they're first born? Well, I, I, as I say, I don't think I got it wrong, but I certainly needed a, a couple of <laughs> Couple of looks. <laughs> I didn't because it was all so quick when it first yes. pulled out and then put on the mummies yes. you know, straight up to the skin on the chair. And I said, "No, just turn it over." I didn't get a good enough. Yes. Look. And so, yeah, it, I can imagine guys do get it wrong sometimes. But yeah. it's we go. Hang on a minute. Cr- have another look. <laughs> have another look. <laughs> that's the um, court. Yeah. Then again, in uh, many hospitals, the dad has another job. 
um, which is which is quite cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, given the job and the responsibility of cutting the umbilical cord, mm. declare the baby open. Yeah, yeah, yes, like, like the queen at a fete. <laughs> yeah, um, so again, you, some people might be a bit squeamish or funny about it. I, I did it, and yeah. I thought it was—it's really easy. It's, it's, crazy. it's, it's amazing, great. isn't it? It's great. Uh, and yeah, some some uh, guys are a bit uh, hesitant, but you know, again, as the midwife, that's what we say. Come on, look, I'll, I'll hold, I'll hold the court, I'll help you, um, and because afterwards, it's such a great feeling. So, um, yeah, really try and get that done. And, and it's, you're not going to hurt anyone. Nothing, the baby doesn't no. feel it. There's no nerve endings in the, in the cord. Uh, and it feels like cutting a very thick piece of calamari, something like that. Yes. That's a yeah. good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, not quite as delicious, but, <laughs> but a very similar <laughs> texture and, and resistance. Um, then, Kath, just when you think the show's over, there is one more fairly grotesque bit of business that you're kind of coming down from the elation and then there's quite a major next procedure, which is getting the placenta out. Mm-hmm. This isn't something a lot of guys are ready for, I think. No. Um, well, look, I, it's because I've, it's sort of normal for me and, you know, uh, but I, I forget it's it's the placenta is a little bit confronting. Um, personally, I see it as absolutely beautiful. It's just the baby's heart lung machine, and you've made it. You know, like this is something you've made from your Our body. Our midwives seem to be cooing over the placenta more than the oh. baby. They they could oh, isn't it beautiful? I know. Oh, oh, it looks look placenta. at the vein. It looks like a tree. Like, <laughs> oh, what? But what well, about this cute baby we've just made? I know. <laughs> the placentas are beautiful. They're absolutely amazing. <laughs> um, and yes, yeah, so so. Uh, you know, not, you don't actually, some people don't even see it because it's, you know, you're so overwhelmed by this beautiful baby. Um, but, you know, whether you want to see it or not in cases that, you, you know, it's going to be in front of you. So uh, it, it's, I don't think it's as grotesque as what, you know, some people think. It's, to me, it's part of life, you know, rather than something um, uh, ooey. So, some some people keep it, don't they? And put well, it in their some freezer people, and eat it. Or? Well, well, some people. Um, you know, when years ago, we used to have this guy come and collect them for his garden because it's you know the blood oh, and bone thing. It was yeah, yeah right. it was amazing. Um, there are things that you can have um, done called placenta capsules or something, and the, it, there's a process that the placenta goes through, and that pe- people make the the, the um, put the placenta in little capsules so it, um, women um, swallow them. But seriously, it's not meant to be eaten, you know. It's eaten in the wild because of blood loss and, you know, giving um, the animals back their iron content. But no, it's not not sort of done. Yeah. But uh, look, there is there are recipes, <laughs> placenta oh. pizza and placenta lasagna and, you know, I've had I've looked after people who have done that, and you know I was even asked back to a placenta eating party in the eighties. Right. I'm like oh, I'm busy, sorry. Well, I'm sorry you don't like it because I know it's your birthday today, and oh, I've yes. made you a placenta birthday cake, Kath. <laughs> uh, oh my I was God. up all night. <laughs> Yuck! I'm going to think of that all night when the cake comes out. I hope someone's got a cake, by the way. Um, just finally, um, not many people talk about this, but I, I think my favourite part of the whole day after all the drama and the excitement, was was when all the maternity staff mm. finally le- left us alone yes. and it was just the three, the three of us of yep. in the room. room and I, I had a bit of 
skin on skin time yes. with my baby daughter, and it was just the loveliest totally. thing. And the smell. Aren't they, smell, don't they smell delicious? Smell the, their skin. Oh. And it's, I mean, it, also, I, I hope all dads do do that bit of skin on skin because it's, you know, important early bonding, but just a very precious, oh, so this, is, this is real moment because as I talked about, you know, it's always we're never going to think it's real until it's actually in our yes. arms. And it was finally, we're oh, parents. We I are know. parents. Yep. It's an amazing thing. The other thing is about um, the vernix, which is, you know, the white sort of, oily substance, fatty substance that's over the baby and as a protective sort of layer for the skin. That's right. I, I, I mean, I think that's Mother Nature is just so clever. You know, it's just the whole process is amazing. But it's when like you natural moisturiser, isn't it? Exactly. And it's like, but it's also protecting the baby against its own fluid. You know, yeah. it's like when people swim the English Channel, they're covered in, you know, some sort of, Oily lard. fat. Yeah, lard. <laughs> that, that's it, lard. Um, and, oh, I think that's incredible. I always used to put a little bit of the um, uh, vernix on my hands because Sophia Loren did it when she had her sons. Now, you've probably, I've got, my hands have got no wrinkles in it. And it's beautiful because, hands. Because I put um, so much vernix on it. But it's beautiful stuff. It's just Mother Nature's ugh, moisturiser. It's incredible. Wow. Uh, Kath, thanks for helping me relive one of the most, yes, if not the yes. most, momentous days in my life. I and can I hope imagine we've... how beautiful it must have been for you to see Rosie. And, uh, as it is for everyone, and I, I hope we have conveyed something of the wonder of that day for all parents, as well as given dads-to-be a few useful pointers on the role that he can play um, and the, the very important, uh, profound role he can play in, in, in that extraordinary day. In the next episode... We're bringing the baby home and, and diving into the world of breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So please join us then for another episode of Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath and Chris Taylor. This has been Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and Chris Taylor. Senior executive producer is Lorna Clarkson. Executive producer is Siobhan Hunt. Audio production by Josh Newth and music by Matt Nikolic. 